Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined once again by Jordan Climax. Jordan, it's June, it's the off-season, and you know what that means. It's list talk time, baby. Yeah! List talk, man. It's 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 list talk. It's it's rankings. It's too early of power rankings. It's all that off season stuff. I mean, we gotta you gotta create clicks. You gotta get those people to read. So I mean, I guess we're breaking down some lists today, man. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking before the show about yeah, which what topics should we cover, things like that. You know, are there any other mini camp angles to cover? And just there wasn't a whole lot out of Browns mini camp, which is probably a good thing. Uh, yeah. That you know there was no. Yeah, Miami Dolphins to a story where somebody threw five interceptions, no injuries like we talked about last time. So we got through minicamp relatively unscathed, and it didn't seem like an entire podcast could come from uh, Greg Newsom picking off Baker Mayfield one time. I do have to say, though, I, the one interesting thing I did see from minicamp, and it's not actually from Bronze minicamp. I don't know if you saw this, Henry, but apparently the Ravens media were asked to not take videos of Lamar Jackson throwing the football. Did you see this? I did see this, yes. What are your thoughts on that? Like, Because <laughs> I saw that and I was like, it's funny because I've been in arguments with people all week about Lamar Jackson, Baker, where they match up against each other, who's better, who do you want moving forward. I'm obviously going to end up in the Baker camp. And the main yard that I made the whole time was Lamar Jackson. What can he do throwing the ball? I don't, I don't know. I don't look at him as an accurate passer. I look at him as kind of a runner and they build their offense around his ability to run the football. And is that sustainable moving forward? I don't know. But what are your thoughts on this whole uh, not being able to film Lamar Jackson throwing the ball at minicamp for Ravens reporters? It's obviously a, a, a focal point of the Ravens and in their heads as a team a little bit, right? That that can be the only conclusion drawn from it. Now, that being said, like you were talking about with, with Lamar Jackson, I'm somewhat in the middle on, on Lamar Jackson. I think a lot of the hate has gone too far at this point. For him, he obviously has limitations as a thrower. He is not a good from-the-pocket passer. And so, uh, to me, what happens with running quarterbacks is they work. It's just they only work for so long. And Lamar Jackson, to me, is the best running quarterback I see. Now, I know Michael Vick might be in that camp, but Michael Vick wasn't used in the way that Lamar Jackson is, in my opinion. And so, I think as long as he can run without getting hurt, they're going to be good in the regular season. It's when they get to the postseason that those limitations are going to pop up, and we've seen that. Teams, uh, the Tennessee Titans in particular, have schemed very well against Lamar Jackson and his lack yeah. of ability to throw the football, and that's where it pops up is he can't duel from the pocket against the best of the best when defense is tightened up uh, on that run game. But I also feel like people are ignoring the fact that they basically had a double-digit win floor with him as the quarterback because the running scheme is so hard to prepare for for teams, especially out of division, that are just seeing him one time when there's really not a whole lot of uh, like him as far as the NFL game. Right now. No, and I, and I agree with that. I'm just saying from the standpoint of, like, give me a traditional guy who can sit in the pocket and make all the right throws and still be a little bit mobile over the guy that can run, do everything from a running standpoint, and then is limited as a passer. I want my quarterback to be somewhere along the lines of Baker Mayfield. But that's where it comes. I just wanted to get your take on that because I thought it was interesting. I was like, is it really that bad if Lamar trying to throw that? They're like, no, no, no. We don't want any of this out there because it doesn't look to us like it's getting better. 
Good news yeah. for the Browns, though. <laughs> it is good news for the Browns. And that's the thing where I would fall in that Baker Mayfield-Lamar Jackson conversation that's being had right now, uh, I would say often, because they're in the same division and people are comparing them. I think Lamar Jackson, if, if you know, for next regular season, if I wanted the most wins possible, I would take Lamar Jackson over Baker Mayfield, which might be slanderous to some Browns fans. But as I said, I think his floor is higher. But I think Baker Mayfield's ceiling is higher because I think ultimately we've seen it in the postseason – the teams that are there at the end of the year, I mean, go look at the quarterbacks last year. It's Mahomes, it's Allen, it's Rodgers, it's Brady. There's obviously mobility there, but there's also an ability to deliver dimes surgically from the pocket. And so if the Browns are going to reach that level, which I think all Browns, Browns fans are hoping for at this point, I think Baker Mayfield's a better path to that kind of level of success. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and we've already spent too much time talking about Lamar Jackson. So yeah, that's just good. Cool. Yeah, I had to get your take. I had to get your take. We're about to talk about uh, where Baker Mayfield falls in the in the ranks of NFL quarterbacks a lot more. And Jordan, the the topic of today's podcast is, for for the listeners out there is how many Browns players are top one hundred NFL players. And this comes from uh, an article released a few weeks ago by by Pete Briscoe uh, uh, that released his NFL top one hundred players. Now some Browns players were on there. Some were notable absences as well. And so that's where this prompts, uh, that'll be the prompt for this conversation. And then we can dive our own directions as well. We'll kind of use that list uh, to get us going as far as as the topics. And, and so we will definitely talk about Baker Mayfield and his absence from that list. But Jordan, let's start with the positives. The Browns player appeared in the top 10. Not shockingly, it was Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett came in at number nine. A lot of the premier NFL quarterbacks were the ones that came in above him. Aaron Donald as well at number two. Uh, and then the only other defensive player, which is a little interesting, TJ Watt came in at number six above Miles Garrett. Jordan, to me, I know I'm biased, right? But I'm also, I find myself always trying to remove that bias when I can. I can't believe that TJ Watt was above Miles Garrett in this list. Can you? No, that's like the one thing I was looking at. And the other thing I was like, Travis Kelsey was in there, which was interesting to me because I think Travis Kelsey is great, but to put a tight end in the top 10 is interesting itself. But that's, I digress. I think, yeah, I, I, it was weird to me, Henry. I mean, I look at TJ Watt and Miles Garrett as two of the top defensive ends in football, but who in their right mind isn't looking at Miles Garrett? And of course, we're biased, as you mentioned. But who isn't looking at Miles Garrett as the best defensive end in football? Like, who's that guy? I don't, I don't know. If it's not him, I guess it's TJ Watt, but I would definitely take Miles Garrett over him. I don't understand where it came from, Henry. We just see the impact on the game, particularly for the Browns defense that Miles has every single year. When he goes out, all of a sudden we don't have a pass rush. And when he's in there, you have a guy that was changing games. He was getting a strip sack week in and week out. And I don't know if this list is punishing him for getting COVID and missing games and not being himself because we saw, um, you know, our, an article from Mary Kate Cabot earlier, you know, this summer about Miles Garrett and just how uh, taxing COVID-19 really was on him. We learned that he has asthma, uses an, an inhaler regularly, was using it more often when he was uh, had COVID and it took him a while to get his lungs back. And he's finally starting to feel 
100% and the psychological impact it had on him as well. As we know, he lost a family member to COVID-19 and then when he came down with it, what it did to him from a mental standpoint. So I don't know. Is that what they're saying? Like he missed these games. So all of a sudden TJ Watt gets that because I think TJ Watt played 15 out of the 16 games last year. So I don't know mm-hmm. if they're giving him the nod for that. But I mean, if you're looking at it from just a pure talent standpoint and impact on the game, how do you not go Miles? The one thing that TJ Watt, I think, does do better than Miles Garrett is he is a better run defender. Now, uh, he, the, the Steelers scheme is a little bit different as too, where, where he's moving around a little bit more. He's standing up a lot more often, you know, obviously playing a little bit more of that outside linebacker type uh, role in, in the team at times. But Miles Garrett's a better pass rusher. It's a two-man race between who the best pass rusher is in the NFL. And it's between Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett. And Ooh. it's it, there's nobody else. And what's more valuable, the, the the slightly better run guy or the slightly better pass rusher? And to me, it's the better pass rusher. Now, do, do I think T.J. Watt is a top five NFL defensive player? I do. But I don't think he's better than Miles Garrett. And I think Miles Garrett was well on his way to winning defensive player of the year last year. And I would bet on him this year if I had uh, – I, I, in fact, will be betting on him to win defensive player of the year this year because I think he is going to put up the numbers. You mentioned it. COVID clearly derailed his season last year. And other than that, nobody could stop him. Before that, double teams, whatever it was schematically that teams are trying to do, they could not stop him. And in a way that I had only really ever seen from Aaron Donald as far as as current players right now. Uh, So I... I, I was shocked that that he came in uh, below TJ Watt. I really was. Yeah, and, and to your point against, you know, I would rather have the guy that's a dominant pass rusher over the guy that's like maybe slightly better in the run game. Because again, this is a passing league. We're, we're you know the Browns are one of the few teams in the NFL that really um, you know deploys a, a, a run first type offense. And even towards the end of the year last year, when Baker started to get more comfortable in the offense, the Browns kind of went back to that pass first offense. Kind of see if Baker Mayfield can win end games. But that's what it is, Henry. It's passing in the NFL. So give me the guy that's the dominant pass rusher. And we saw what that dominant pass rusher was able to do to Patrick Mahomes. In the Super Bowl, obviously, the Chiefs had the depleted line. But the Chiefs' offense is based on throwing the football. And when you took away that element from them, they were left getting their ass kicked by the Bucks. That's just kind of how it goes, Henry. If you're able to take away the pass in the NFL you're well on your way to winning the game because that's just how it is. And Miles Garrett, in my eyes, again, you hit it on the head. It's him and Aaron Donald. And I think it's not even just them for the best pass rusher in the NFL, Henry. I think that's the conversation for the best defensive player overall in the NFL. I do too. I do think Aaron Donald does deserve that title still. It it was funny when I I used to work at, at Stats, which is a huge sports analytics company based in Chicago. They work with a bunch of professional teams. Aaron Donald basically broke their model for statistics for a defensive lineman. They were like, it doesn't even work. He was in like the 138th percentile. And they were like, yeah, that shouldn't be possible. But like, he just, the, what he does on the field is insane in terms of his, com- you know, his combination of, of, of pass, pass rush, run stopping, drawing double teams, drawing triple teams, disrupting plays. It was, they couldn't believe it. So I do still think he deserves to be number one. I do think Garrett deserves to be number two. And, Nine and a half sacks in nine games before COVID last year. Two and a half sacks in, in the games after he missed those two in weeks 10 and 11. So, Do you think he was going to get Defensive Player of the Year if he didn't get COVID? Because I think he was well on his way. Just the impact plays he was making games. We talked about it. What was it? Three straight weeks with a strip sack. I mean, those are game-changing plays. Before he got COVID, I think that he was the Defensive Player of the Year. 
hundred percent. I, I, I don't see how he, he wouldn't have been, you know, if they had had the vote after nine weeks, it would have been him. I, there, I, there was nobody else that would have been. So, uh, yeah, I do think that, and, uh, I'm looking forward to, to him coming back at full strength this season. I think, you know, part of the reason, of course, the Browns couldn't stop the chiefs for a number of different reasons, but him being hampered in that game was also, I, I think, an under-talked-about story at times because he still got on the field. He didn't sit out the entire game. He clearly wasn't right, though, not only in that game, but for such a long stretch of the season. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, thinking about him being 100% healthy, and he's talked about that. He says he's finally, at this point, feels like he's totally got his lungs back, he's got his breath back, he's ready to roll, Henry. Put him a miles feeling 100%. With the rest of these new pieces we added to this defense, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to see what this defense is made of because, again, Miles has help for the first time really in his entire career. I mean, we kind of were always asking for that from Olivier Vernon. Interestingly enough, Olivier Vernon, I thought he was good last year. But, again, we all know his best games came when Miles wasn't there. So him bringing help for him on that defensive end as well as in the secondary will also aid him in being able to rush the passer. So I'm ready to see this, man. Me too. Can't can't wait to see Garrett this season. Another player I can't wait to see is Nick Chubb, who was the second yeah. round on this list. Now he came in all the way down at number sixty-three, uh, which I don't think is insanely surprising. As we'll get to, I think part of the reason this Browns roster is so strong is that they have a lot of depth. Uh, Nick Chubb being the second best player, uh, I I think it's also fair. Oliver Jordan, who was the sixth running back on the list. The the guys in front of him, I'll read them to you quickly. Derrick Henry, number 11. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, 19. McCaffrey, 21. Kamara, 37. And Ezekiel Elliott, 57. I mean, that, here's the thing. That makes I, no I, sense to me. Adam, that's, no. that's, and not only with Nick Chubb, and again, Brian, I, I don't think Nick Chubb is the best running back in the league, but I do think he's top five, first of all, not to, and he was at number six in this list. The order of all these running backs, I I, I was totally missed, mystified. Yeah, I got. I mean, who? To me, Nick Chubb is number two. I mean, like I don't understand who's like. Okay, Christian McCaffrey, I get what he's able to. He's very versatile from the running back position, but at the same time, like I don't know, like he's not been able to. He's not. Wait, 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 wait. We need to pause. Pause. Who's number one for you? Because Christian McCaffrey would be my number one. <laughs> I, I was gonna go with Derrick Henry. Ah, all right, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Derrick Henry and and, and here's the thing though, I don't think there's a there's a the drop off between Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb is very small. Like I would I would take either one of those guys. Just I mean, were any of these other running backs averaging ten plus yards a carry in the fourth quarter? Because that's what Nick Chubb was doing last year. His best his best you know moments of the season came when the Browns were trying to close people out. I think Nick Chubb as well as just being a dominant back and being able to do everything. Obviously, he can be better from catching, but I don't care about that because we have the receivers. Everything he's able to do, Henry, it's like, how, how is he not? I, he, I see a guy like I, I've, Nick Chubb. I mean, in my eyes, is other than Jim Brown in, in Brown's history, like he, he it's, it's Jim Brown and Nick Chubb. I just think he's absolutely incredible. But I would go Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, McCaffrey probably after that, then Delvin Cook. The, here's the one egregious thing. Like I almost had to like throw my phone at the wall when I heard you say this. How the, how the hell is Ezekiel Elliott? <laughs> Ahead of Nick Chubb on this. Like, is that like, like, Pete Briscoe's got to be fucking with us at a certain point, right? Like, he's kind of just like, ah, I'm just going to do this, see what I can get out of it. Because, Henry, like, have I been missing something? Am I hard of seeing, like, Ezekiel Elliott ahead of Nick Chubb? What? 
It's ridiculous. It, people, I, I think Nick Chubb gets dinged sometimes, at least last season, for running behind a good offensive line. I will point out to those people that he was phenomenal two years ago with the worst tackles in the league, but that's a that's a tangent. That's, that's just a still, terrible argument in general. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, um, you know, Tom Brady was a good quarterback, but he always had a good offensive line. It's like, yeah, no shit. That's like, that's how you build a good team. Like, I, that's just, I, I, I don't want to listen to that argument of he's running behind a good offensive line because did he last year? No. Well, it, there, it's important context. Sometimes you can be like, oh, this running back had a terrible offensive line, so that's going to limit his numbers. Oh, this running back had a better offensive line. But you also have to obviously look at the running back performance. Nick Chubb's vision two years ago with a bad offensive line was still incredible. His tack, breaking tackle rate, still incredible. His yards after contact, all that stuff. Ezekiel Elliott, it's quite clear. The numbers tell you when he runs behind a healthy Dallas Cowboys offensive line from two, three years ago, he was really good. When he runs behind an offensive line, that's not good. He's not good. And you get, so if you watch the games and take that context into account, I can't believe, I can't, if you told me any of the other guys you've put ahead of Nick Chubb, I was like, okay, I see the argument. You can at least make the argument. Yeah. I, I would put McCaffrey number one. I would put, Probably Kamara number two. I think the the pass game uh, the elements from both of those guys are just so valuable. And as you mentioned, there's a place where Nick Chubb needs to improve. Derrick Henry is kind of a strange one because we you of course see how he wears teams down as the season goes on. He leaves great impressions in the playoffs. He's a lim- more limited pass catcher. To me, he just not. I I get that he has been very productive these last couple of years, and he has caught the ball reasonably well in the backfield, but he's not very versatile to me. And that's where I'd slightly have him lower. I, I value that versatility. Like, I think if you put him on a different style of team, he might not be as successful. But any of those guys, you swap them out, you know, whatever, 43, 46, 50, you know, whatever. I'm not going to fight to the nail. You said it. Ezekiel Elliott, get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> the only thing I'll give Pete Fresco credit for in this case, he put Saquon Barkley behind Nick Chubb. I keep seeing Saquon Barkley out of oh, Nick Chubb in this too, and that's driving me nuts because – Saquon Barkley has the pedigree because he got drafted number two overall. Go look at that draft. There are several running backs in that draft that are better than Saquon. And Nick Chubb is one of them. Exactly. It's funny, too, because I've heard that. I've I've been listening to all these offseason NFL podcasts, and it seems like on every single one or reading about it, it's like, you know, the Giants, uh, they're that sleeper team, man. Saquon Barkley is coming back. Like, how many years in a row have we said that? Like, I, I just... I don't get the Saquon Barkley hype where he was drafted. Obviously, he hasn't produced just because he hasn't been able to be healthy. But you are right. Like, thank God that he at least put him behind him because if you had Elliott and Saquon Barkley ahead of Nick Chubb, we'd have to, like, I don't know, we'd be outside of CBS Sports Studios with, like, pitchforks and, like, an angry mob, like, trying to get Pete Frisco down. Like, that's where we would have been if that happened. Yeah, I just... Saquon Barkley is a phenomenal talent. He is. I will, I, I, you know, having gone to Northwestern, I watched him tear up the Wildcats with Penn State and he and all the other damage he did in the Big Ten that last season. But that's why you don't draft a running back number two overall. because you draft Nick Chubb in the second round, and he's better. And there are other, you draft Alvin Kamara in the third round, and he's better. And you draft Aaron Jones, who's basically been more productive, even though I wouldn't say he's better. He's been on the field, so he's been more productive you know, all of those things you have to factor in. I thought a place where Pete Frisco was being generous, though, Jordan, was Odell Beckham made the list, despite, you know, not playing that many games last year. We talked about Odell, of course, a lot on the last show. He came in at number 81, 15th receiver overall. So that that party is obviously low on the receiver list. 
What did you think about Odell Beckham being the third Browns player on this list and making the list at number 81 overall, but also being the 15th receiver? We'll have to unpack it. I don't know that he – like, I'm fine with him making the list, and I think you're right that he was being a little bit generous. What what I thought was interesting, and in, in my takeaway from what you just said, Henry, is saying that he was the comes in as the 15th wide receiver. Now, are we at a point where we don't consider Odell a top 10 wide receiver anymore? I think that's the general conversation in the NFL. I don't think that they look at him as a top 10 wide receiver. And it goes back to just not being able to be on the field, right? I mean, that's the only thing that you can point to and say, well, that's the reason why he isn't a top 10 wide receiver anymore. It's just because of his health. I think it's interesting. I, I Coming in as the next Browns player, also interesting in my opinion, I think I would have had Wyatt Teller above Odell in terms of, you know, who's next on the Browns player. I would have... I would have even maybe had Denzel Ward up there as, as that third Browns player to make the list, Henry. So it's interesting to see. I think it was generous for Odell, but my main takeaway is he really just isn't considered a top 10 wide receiver anymore. And I'm fine with it. I think it's right. You know, I'm not sitting here and saying, you know, raising my fist over like he needs to be a top 10 wide receiver. No, it's like what he needs to show us is that he can be productive and healthy for a full 16 games and help the Browns on a playoff run. Yeah, and the guys ahead of him, A.J. Brown, uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, uh, those are the, and Calvin Ridley would be the guys preventing him from being a top 10 receiver. He'd have to leapfrog those guys. Uh, and yeah, I, I think availability is part of it. I also do think, you know, the, the injuries to not only this ACL injury, but some of the other injuries and age just as a factor are going to catch up with you over time. That's why I thought Julio Jones is too high on this list as well with the injuries catching up to him. And, and that's a separate you know conversation that we've also already had. But it, it, it's something I don't think people factor in enough. Uh, I think they're a little bit too slow in sports to, to you know factor in age. Yeah, these guys get older, and they do lose a half step. And Oda Beckham can still be a number one receiver. He can still be extremely productive. He could still be the eighth to 12th best receiver in the league. But I don't think he could be the number one receiver at age you know, you know, 30. Uh, or whatever he will be this upcoming season. So I thought it was fair. I was just more surprised, like you said, that 15 receivers on this list, only six corners, and no Denzel Ward is, is part of this. It's a passing league, I get that, but you think those numbers would be pretty similar in terms of corners and wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, look at the first round of the draft this year. I mean, how many corners? I don't know if the number off the top of my head, but there were a handful of cornerbacks drafted and for that reason, Henry, everyone is out here trying to find at least one to two lockdown corners because, again, it goes back to the fact that teams are throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game now. That's kind of just where we are as a league in the NFL. So if you're going to have that, it's going to be quarterback, it's going to be left tackle, it's going to be defensive end, it's going to be cornerback. Like those are the most important positions on the field. Now, I see a lot of cornerbacks. I see a lot of tackles on here. I don't see a lot of cornerbacks. <laughs> you said it was only six to make the list. I found Only, that only six corners made the list. Yeah, that's interesting to me. I, I, I that, one, that one I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. Henry. Me too, and that's why I'm surprised Odell Beckham is even on the list. Is because I, you know, as a, I don't think it was a unfair placement of him. You know, maybe he could have been a couple spots higher, but obviously coming off an injury, okay, maybe not. And but 15 wide receivers overall, that part, that part uh, was definitely shocking to me. Now, they did include some offensive linemen from the Browns. You mentioned Wyatt Teller might be your next pick. It was Betonio. The other Browns guard at 86, Teller at 96. Both high on the list for guards. There were some guys in front of them, the the big names, Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, uh, Brandon Scherf from, from the Washington football team. But both guys coming in at, at top five in their position. What did you, you know, 
Who are you pleased with those rankings? I mean, they did include offensive linemen. Guards not necessarily considered the most valuable spot. So I thought they were fair. I do think Wyatt Teller actually was better than Petonio last season. So that would be my only quibble is I might swap the two. But other than that, I thought that was nice that they got some recognition. Yeah, no, I, I like the fact that they got recognition uh, for sure, Henry. Um, and I agree with you. Uh, I think Teller was a little bit better than Batonio. Both are very, very good for the, you know being guard and what we expect from them, what they're able to do for the Browns in the run game. But to me, it's just like, I, Henry, watching the film, like Wyatt Teller is one of my favorite guys to watch film on because there was, there's in every, pretty much every game that he played, and we know he missed some time with injury last year, but basically in every single game that he played, you run back to film and watch him, there's like three or four moments in every single game where you're like, holy shit, that was a crazy block. I mean, there, there were multiple times where he was gu- blocking two guys with one arm, just, just pancaking people. I mean, from the just, he was one, and it was funny too. Like, he's just got that like weird, like southern strength about him. He's got this like southern swag about him. Like, he's wrestling alligators and then, and shit like that. Like, that's kind of just what Wyatt Teller reminds, reminds me of. I love Wyatt Teller to death, but Henry, like, I'm glad to see him get recognition. I think he should have been a, maybe a little bit higher on this. The list I would have had him. I think he came in at what um, ninety six. Ninety six. And, and Batonio yeah. was eighty six, correct? Yeah. Yep. So I would have maybe flip flopped them. That's the only thing. Yeah, me too. I thought they were both about right and not huge quibbles. And and it's tough because guard isn't that valuable of a position, but also you can see the impact when, you know, you get a couple of good guards, a, a great interior offensive line like the Browns have. It does you know, drive a lot of their interior running game as well. And Teller's mobility also allows him to get down the field and block well, you know, as part of the screen game and things like that. So I, and I'm not going to quibble too hard with these guys in particular because Jordan it's time to start quibbling a lot more with this list. All of the other arguments we've had are not going to be nearly forceful as the, the, two, the two points I'm about to bring. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Baker Mayfield did not make this list. Their list was heavily slanted for quarterbacks. Pete Briscoe wrote a, a blurb about it at the top. It's a quarterback league. You have to slant a quarterback. So 14 quarterbacks made the list. Baker Mayfield was not one of them. He was in the honorable mention category, but some cousin uh, or some quarterbacks above Baker Mayfield, and I tipped my, my hand there, Kirk <laughs> Cousins, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, all came in in the 90s. Uh, in front of him, Matthew Stafford came in at 88. 
as well. Uh, Matt Ryan at 83. So, Baker, absent from this list completely. The disrespect. Well, let's let's talk about that, Jordan. Because I think we're both on the same page that, that Baker Mayfield is disrespected on this list, and we can get to where he should be on it as well. But do you think Baker Mayfield is disrespected by the national media landscape? Because I think Browns fans in general believe that he is disrespected overall by those covering the NFL at a national level. He is, and I don't understand what it is, Henry. I mean, have you heard, like, Mike Tannenbaum's been going on these tangents like in the past two weeks of like the Browns should not extend Baker Mayfield. And like, he's basically just going on saying they're going to regret giving him a contract extension if they do. And I just, I don't understand where it comes from. Um, Like do people not understand that he went through four coaches in three years? Like, does that not play into the factor? He finally got a good stable head coach and front office situation. And we see what he's able to do with it this year. So I don't understand. Like, where does it come from? Like, do people just not like him, like, not like how he carries himself, not like, like, you know, the press conferences that he was doing in the Freddie Kitchens era, just kind of like the cockiness, that kind of vibe that he gave off. Like, does that play into it? I, like, I don't understand what it is, Henry. I think that people just don't like him from a personality standpoint, and that lets it affect everything that's going on. Because, I mean, you and I are in the record. Kyler Murray, the, the, the overhype for Kyler Murray, is, is it's become ridiculous at this point in my in, uh, in my opinion. And Joe Burrow, like, I'm just looking at these guys in the 90s, Henry. Joe Burrow as well. Like, how, how is, like, I, I think Joe Burrow, and you know better than anyone, like, Joe Burrow, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. But we haven't seen enough for him, for him to be ahead of Baker at this point. We've seen Baker do it two years. We've seen Joe Burrow do it about 10 games. So I don't understand how that plays. And then the Kirk Cousins, at that point, you just like, at that point, I was just ready to crumble up this list and just throw it away because having Kirk Cousins over Baker Mayfield is absolutely insane, in my opinion, Henry. It does go back to the narrative that he is disrespected by the media for whatever reason. I think, so I do agree with you that if we took the whole national media landscape and, and dumped it in, you know, compared to what I think is a fair interpretation of Baker Mayfield, that he is disrespected to a degree. I do think it depends on who you listen to. And I think part of that, and that's why the the disrespect comes in overall, is he's a very polarizing player, given the circumstances that he's gone through. He had one of the worst coaches in the NFL and somebody who probably shouldn't have been an NFL head coach at all in, in Freddie Kitchens and struggled. While he struggled, he was also a polarizing figure in the media for some of the things he said. And I think some of those were fair. I think some of them were unfair. And then he got a great coach and succeeded. And so it's hard to separate what has been Baker Mayfield versus what hasn't been Baker Mayfield. But that being said, I do, sometimes I just don't think all of these guys watch all the games. And <laughs> Baker Mayfield played fantastic the last eight, ten games. Like, if Kyler Murray had had the last ten games that Baker Mayfield had this season, nobody would be talking about Baker Mayfield the way that they are. And here's the thing, though, Henry. You say a lot of people haven't, you know, maybe they haven't watched every game, and I think that's 100% true. I think a lot of these people with these national podcasts and national columns and everything fall into the thing of going too highly in-depth on something that they aren't fully knowledgeable of. Like I like to leave that kind of stuff to the local people who are around the team every day, see every play, watch every, you know, watch every, uh, you know, game film. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, Henry. I, I don't really understand it. But the one thing that I think, 
you can say is like who wasn't watching that Browns Chiefs game last year, right? Like everyone was watching that game. If you're watching that game and you know the game of football and you study the quarterback position and you watch film, you would watch that game thinking like Baker Mayfield played incredible in that game. I understand he had the one interception and that was a mistake, but you take that away. Everything he was able to do, he had us in a position to win that game and go to the AFC championship. I just think that, you know, it's interesting because I, I agree with you that, you know, maybe they don't watch every game, but everyone was watching that game and you saw on the biggest stage of his career, he delivered and was very impressive. So how does that not play into this? Well, and I think to your point, maybe it's, it's not, maybe I'm being unfair and saying that I don't watch the games. Everybody watched that game, but Baker Mayfield was not a, a talking point after the game. And I said that on the podcast immediately afterward is that what will get lost in this game is how well Baker Mayfield played. And I, and there were some limitations from the offense that's been talked about all offseason as far as, hey, they couldn't stretch the field. The Chiefs came up and pressed a lot. Nick Chubb did not have his best game catching some screen passes that he could have caught. There were some mistakes made around the field. But Baker Mayfield made a number of incredible throws in that game. Off-platform, tight-window-type throws that were huge for the Browns staying in that game. And it felt like nobody talked about it. And again, I was if that was another quarterback, I, I, I'm mystified as to why that is. I think it's because some people were entrenched in, the, in their camps about, you know, about Baker after the, the ups and downs of his first couple of seasons. I think part of it was that at that point, Kevin Stefanski had gotten the buzz as, oh, this guy's going to be the coach of the year. But like you were saying is with the offensive line and running backs, Coaches can only go so far as their quarterbacks. And Baker Mayfield delivered a lot for Kevin Stefanski in this last year. And for some reason, it seems like it's all the focus is all, oh, Kevin Stefanski did all this for Baker Mayfield. They were a great marriage of the two. They were, it was quarterback and play caller together. And yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins being above him, Joe Burrow, I, it makes no sense. No, it makes no sense at all. And I mean, it's just, I f- feel like for whatever reason, Baker's going to be dealing with that his entire career. But Henry, at the same time, when this list came out, we ha- I had this conversation with people at work. Like, it's, I, I, it's ridiculous. It's blasphemous. Though the Stephen A is blasphemous that Baker Mayfield isn't on this list. But at the same time, Henry, I fucking love it. I love that he's not on this list. We know that Baker Mayfield is one of those guys who thrives when people doubt him and thrives when people say that he can't be this guy, who he's not as good as these other guys. That is when Baker Mayfield is at his best, when people doubt him. So, yeah, it's insane that he's not on this list, Henry, but honestly, I'm here for it for that exact reason. I... Sure, I'm, I'm I'm there with you. Uh, I think I think Baker's got enough doubt probably to fuel him for a lifetime at this point. I just I think he's, he's one of those. That but chip. that's the thing though. He's one of those guys that he like. I guarantee you, he saw this list and he was like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna go show this guy." Like he's one of those. He's. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a list in his room of people that have doubted him, and it might be 200 pages long at this point. But he's keeping track of every person. Trust me on that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't doubt it, and, and I do think, yeah, I think at this point, Baker's, he's, he's certainly got a, a, an enough, he's got enough press clippings that, that he can <laughs> write down from, from people uh, that, that, you know, as we were talking about with the national media, and, you know, where he, he stacks up, I think, as far as 
the entire league is still going to be determined a lot by this season because if he strings together two seasons in a row, I think nationally people will come around to him being a, a pretty clear top 10 quarterback. But to be not in the top 14, I was like, all right, come on. Really? Really? And another time I was I, I, I was like, come on, really? Denzel Ward. Yeah. <laughs> not only... I, not on this list. We mentioned there are only six corners on that list. So I guess, okay, maybe he's not in the top six corners. I think I would actually agree with that. But would you know? I, I, I think the argument could be definitely made that he's top five. I, I, don't, I would not say Denzel Ward's a top five corner right now. I think he's in the top ten, but there, there are guys I would take above him. I'd take Jalen Ramsey above him. I'd take yeah. Jared Alexander above him. I'd take Stephon Gilmore. Uh, I'm trying to rattle these off. Uh, did I say Jalen Ramsey already? Xavier did, Howard. Yeah. Um, I would take above him in Tredavious White. I would probably take above him as well. Uh, so I, he, he, I think he's, he's in the conversation like, for it at least. I think right? he's in like the, yeah. the seven, eight range. And part of it too, frankly, is, is that Denzel Ward has never played uh, yeah. a full season either. So I think he's more like top 10, not top five. But there were six guys in the honorable mention category, some of which were ridiculous that, that they were above Denzel Ward, as far as the the corners, I I could not believe that some of these guys were put in because yeah, only six corners made the list, which doesn't make any sense to me. But okay, fine. So Denzel Ward doesn't make the list because you don't have him in the top six corners. But to not have him in the next six of guys that were honorable mentions to me, I just Chris Harris, Ugh. no Darius Slay. That was the one where I was like, you put Darius Slay in the honorable mention category and not <laughs> Denzel Ward. Like what beef uh, I, do you have with the Browns? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I, there's just no way. No, I, I, James Bradbury with the Giants is an interesting one because I actually think James Bradbury is underrated, but also he, playing he a really weird like scheme type of thing too where he's a great fit for it. Marshawn Lattimore is a, a strange one because of the ups and downs he's had in his career. But, I mean, Denzel Ward versus Marshawn Lattimore. Who's taking Marshawn Lattimore for the next five years? I don't think that many people. I mean, the inconsistency with Marshawn Lattimore has been a real problem. Now, he's probably reached higher heights in his career already than Denzel Ward has. But looking forward, I, yeah, I just – I don't know. I, mean, I don't think of Denzel Ward being perceived nationally as, as a guy that's disrespected. Jordan, do you, do you think Denzel Ward is also disrespected in the same way that Baker Mayfield is, or do you think it's just this list? I think it's just this list i think that you know the people that study the game the people who i trust and you know obviously you work with some former cornerbacks at blue wire i work with some former cornerbacks uh what i do with espn cleveland and i trust these guys opinions on cornerbacks and i mean i think that it, it, the conversation with any time i have it with one of these guys is it, they're top t- he is a top 10 corner the chance to be top five maybe top three when it's all said and done and that, yeah, I just don't get it. Like a James Bradbury, I agree with you that he's underrated. I, I don't know if I look at him as like, I think he's more of like a high end two than a one, the corner position. Um, and Lattimore is insane too, but I don't think it's, it's a national disrespect of Denzel Ward, Henry. And, and I think in, in, in main, you know, the main reason might be the fact that he's just, he's a soft spoken guy, right? Like his character, he's not like an in your face guy as Baker once was. He's not, you know, chopping it up with the media getting into arguments and press conferences, that kind of thing. So I don't think that it's necessarily like the national media is trying to disrespect him. I do think that he doesn't get enough credit for being how good he is. And I understand that his statistics aren't necessarily there in terms of 
you know, interceptions and whatnot. But to get, it, it, we're at the point now, Henry, and, you know, we watched every single Browns game in detail last year. Like, there were a couple of games where teams just weren't throwing at him. I mean, he was just getting the job done to a point where guys said, I'm not even going to look at that side of the field. So, yeah, I just think that he – it really just comes back to injuries, honestly, with Denzel, the, the fact that he – and the other thing is, too, I do think that injury conversation is kind of blown out of proportion as well, Henry. I, I don't think he's missed more than four games in a year, if I'm not mistaken, off the top of my head. I think he's missed four games in a year twice, but I don't think he's ever missed more than that. Obviously, you would love to have him for those four games, but I think that the injury, I think it's been 13 games in three years or something along those lines for Denzel, which obviously isn't ideal, but it's not as egregious as it's made out to be for, for whatever reason. People just want to, you know, I heard... You know, we talked about it on last week's pod of people who are telling me that we shouldn't extend his contract because we don't know if he's going to be able healthy, which is just nonsense to me. But back to your original point, I just think it's this list, really. I don't think it's a, a national, like, you know, try and, you know, smear the name of Denzel Ward. So in terms of games played, 12, 12, yeah. and 13, and in the year he started 13, he only, or in the year he played 13, he only started 12. So basically 12 a year it's concerning that it's been all three years, I would say, though, is the thing uh, where you're missing a quarter of the season three times, like, you know, in every year. Wasn't it a played. concussion, though? That part to me is significant. Wasn't it, wasn't it a concussion the first year when he, like, didn't really necessarily know how to tackle well and kind of got into concussion? Like, I don't know if I look at that as one of those ones where it's like, all right, things are starting to add up. I do, I do agree that it's still an injury and all that, but I think that that was kind of almost more him trying to learn the league and figure out his body in the NFL more than anything. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, it is, it is three, three times where he's had to miss four games. I I think that part, you start to look at it and typically guys that, that only play 12 games in every year, that first three years, they don't get a whole lot healthy. Mm -hmm. We'll put it that way throughout their season. Uh, it, there is definitely something statistically to the fact that if you get injured early on in your career, you typically get injured on throughout your whole career. That being said, Jordan, while you were talking, I did some quick research and looked up some NFL cornerback rankings that uh, other sites have done in this 2021 offseason. And the first three sites I looked up all had Denzel Ward at exactly number yeah. eight. In the, 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 like, so like, what are you, what are you it, doing? It does seem like nationally, yeah, which I think is about fair because I do think he's not – He's not a Jalen Ramsey type where he walks anywhere on the field, shuts down his man, and you can, you know, it's a guarantee like 100% can be relied upon. I do think he has some size limitations uh, that, that prevent him, and I don't think he's perfect in part, as far as his reps. That all being uh, stated, he, he's, not, he's also a top 10 corner and is extremely, extremely valuable, and corner is an extremely valuable position. So, yeah, especially you mentioned it. The, when the Browns had other people on the field last year that weren't up to par, teams just didn't even think, they were like, why would we throw a Denzel Ward when we've got all these other options? Like, we're not going to do that. And so that, you know, if you've reached that point, you're, you're obviously taking away one side of the field and doing a lot of things for a defensive scheme. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think that eight, that eight ranking is perfect. I think it's almost like, you know, we've started, we've done our quarterback tiers. I think that's kind of how it is with corner cornerbacks as well, right? Like you have your tier ones, your tier twos, I think Denzel Ward falls into that tier two of corner, but also is a young guy who has that chance to make that leap into tier one. And we'll see if he's able to do that. Henry, it'll come down to health. And if he's able to play all six, I don't even need him to play all 16. Just give me like 15, 14, something like that heading into this year. Yeah. And I think that's why it's, uh, you know, drafting Greg Newsom makes so much sense is, you know, 
even if Grady Williams is healthy, the odds are something, you know, these guys are going to miss time at some point. You need multiple healthy corners. We saw what happened last year when all of a sudden you've got to play Robert Jackson. I mean, <laughs> that, that, there is not a lot of NFL, you know, cornerback depth across the league. So you got to have guys in reserve that are going to be able to get on the field and play competently. And the Browns in particular are going to need that because they've got some guys with an injury history. Jordan, the last thing to talk about on this list is just the honorable mentions real quick. So there's a just missed section of names about, you know, 15, 20 guys long. Um, a bunch of Browns made it there. John Johnson was at the top of that list. Jack Conklin as well. Uh, Baker was in that, uh, in, though not actually in the top 100. Jarvis, uh, Landry, and J.C. Treader as well. I thought all those guys probably fair um, as far as people I wouldn't consider necessarily top 100 players. Do any of those guys stand out to you as somebody that has a case to be in the top 100? To me, it's Jack Conklin. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Henry, but was he not pro football focused, number one ranked right tackle in the NFL last year? Because I'm, you are, I'm, you are correct. You are correct. so. I, if, that, if that's the case, if you're the best player at your position, how are you? How do you not fall into the number one? I mean, excuse me, into that top 100 list. That's the only thing for me is like I understand it's a, a right tackle, not a left tackle. Now, obviously, you look more at the left tackle, what they're able to do in the pass game, and the right tackle is more to aid you in the run game. I understand that, but at the same time, just to be number one ranked at your position and not be on the top 100 players in the NFL list, just that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a gray area, like you said, because he's number one at his position at right tackle, but tackle, I mean, he's not number one at tackle, right? Like that's a, like you said, there, there are 32 guys arguably playing. I will say this, position, Tristan, so. Tristan Worfs was on this list in the eighties and he was playing right tackle for the Bucks last year. So it's like, you know what I mean? And he's a rookie, too. So it's like Jack Conklin, we've seen done this. He's made multiple All-Pros already. So I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's where you, I think you have a fair point, is that, that Worfs made this list. Now, I think Worfs also had a great season last year, too. So I get the yeah. uh, the, the hype there. But, yeah, I mean, Conklin's more proven. There's uh, He's been in the league longer. There's a reason the Browns paid him uh, for multiple years, because he warranted it. And he was one of the top free agents on the market that year. So I maybe you're right that, that he could sneak into the end of this list. I just I I, I couldn't get I couldn't get open arms about it just because of that right ta- tackle nature of it. The only one I thought that that had a uh, that had a good case, uh, especially was was John Johnson, just based on what he did with the Rams last year. He has his own health concerns, no doubt, but. Man, I can't wait to see him in a Browns uniform. The combination of a safety, which also isn't the most valuable position, but the combination of a guy that is good in pass coverage and good in the run game, that's versatile like that, sign me up. Can't wait, Jordan. I, I don't know if he should have been in the top 100, but he's in the top 110, 120, and he is good. Yeah, he'll make our top 100. How about that? But, yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't know if he falls into the top 100, but I am certainly excited to see him on this defense under without question that the marquee signing for the bronze this offseason. I'm just so ready to see this defense together for the first times like that. Those that's all I'm going to be looking for when we get into like, you know, the training camp and all that, like I'm just going to be looking at this defense and how much better they got. I can't wait for it. I'm ready to, uh, this is fun to, to go over this list, talk about where the Browns guys fall in the landscape and really 
I think the other fun part about this is, hey, five guys in the top 100, another handful in the honorable mention list, another five. So that's 10 guys that are considered potentially top 100 players in the NFL. And that's how you get to have a roster that a lot of people see as right up there with the very best in the entire league. So we'll leave you on that note, Browns fans. Just two words for you. Go Browns.